fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try Hey everybody and welcome to big episode number 79 of the Fantasy Fullback Dive. This is our fourth season brought to you by the good people at the Rotor Street Journal. We're paving your way to fantasy glory. We're going to act as your lead blocker today and every day to win whatever fantasy championship trinket, cash prize, uh, you know, just even like not losing, not having to get a tattoo or something like that or streak on the floor of a uh, small town sporting event. All those things are things we can help you avoid or achieve if that's your angle. I mean, if you're like a sadist or whatever. Anyway, I'm your host, Nat the Truth Jones. With me, as always, the Wolf of Roto Street himself. How you doing, Wolf? Doing fantastic, my dude. Uh, just tons of fantasy action left and right, as we did last time. We broke down the rookies, and now we get to look at the veterans. I know you're more excited for this one because you stay more up to date on the veteran guys. You already know who they are, and, and usually use our rookie episode to catch up. So I'm excited to go back and forth a little bit more on this one and and get get back going. It's been another uh, week absent, so we're, we're got to get our schedule locked down. I've, I've missed chatting with you, my Yeah, dude. and I appreciate it. I would say I'm equally excited. I, I'm always excited for the rookie one. I just don't think I'm as competent. Of a, of a guy. I'm, I'm more deferring to you on this. I, I have opinions on more of these things, or at least know the guys you're talking about. So anyway, uh, we're going to get into it. Obviously, we're going to break down the veterans that saw their fantasy values rise, either because of their new additions or lack thereof. Sometimes nobody gets added, and that's, that's just as good. Um, yes. And we also have a bunch of guys that were falling. We're not going to go over those today, but I am going to uh, blow through the list of those uh, at some point in the pod, just so you understand. We are going to touch on those in a future episode. And there are definitely some guys, you know, like the Sony Michels, Darius Geis, Todd Gurley guys like that, that need to be discussed. But they're not going to be discussed on this episode. We're just going to uh, mow through the veteran risers, and we're going to hit some breaking news. We want to get into breaking news real quick? Let's go right into it. Oh, it's not necessarily breaking at well, this it's point. Not, it's but not yes. breaking, but I mean, it's like right, right. It's not breaking, but it's 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 significant news. news by by the way, did you read my did you read my post on Facebook about my son today? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, he's Dude. hiding the rankings, huh? <laughs> or something. I mean, he like my my three year old walks into the room, and I'm just minding my own business. I have nothing to do with him, and he I, just walks into the room, and he's got his hand behind his back, and he just looks at me, and he just goes, "You don't need to look at what's behind my back because there's nothing back there." <laughs> and and I just didn't say anything. And then he just makes eye contact with me and just slowly backs out of the room. Did like, you ever find out what he was hiding? No, nope, never asked. <laughs> didn't look. I mean, you know. So subtle. He's clearly uh, yeah, just yeah, as yeah, yeah. his dad's subtlety right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're both we're very slick, social, intelligent guys. It's, Seems like me coming home on like a drunk night when I was in high school trying to like hide from my parents and telling them right. it was food poisoning. Right. Like I used to oh, think yeah, like if I didn't like make eye contact or, or like didn't get too close to them, they wouldn't notice that I just like had like a cloud of marijuana just like that I was enveloped in. <laughs> exactly. Like, nothing. Nothing. What are you talking about? No, I'm I fine. I don't smell like anything. This is normal. Bad? No, there was, uh, there was someone yeah, else I at a party. Like Not this. the party I was at, but the a party right, across exactly. the street. I think they were smoking grass. And uh, so anyway, and so some of it might have gotten near me or something. A little bit, maybe, possibly. Yeah, exactly. But, oh, what? I smell like whiskey? Yeah, someone spilled some near me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. Right, exactly. All right, we're going to get down to business. Uh, 
news and not breaking news as we pointed out but still significant fantasy news we talked about this last time i i hosted with you we both had thoughts we didn't have time we're going to talk about tyree kill mm-hmm. so you know this this one just it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth right disgusting all right what are you what, what's going on give me the latest updates as far as you know and your personal thoughts and and any sort of fantasy relevant information we can we can gauge from this Right, of course. The fantasy implications are massive, but just in terms of what the situation is, I'm sure our listeners at this point are aware that he was there's incriminating evidence found um, with his child abuse case where his wife's heard hearing um, he's terrified of you, she says to Hill, and then he says back to her, you need to be terrified of me too, shit. And then that's kind of the end of it. And then the latest, I mean, clearly that's obviously an completely messed up thing to say about a child about a wife um and obviously has that troubled past so well only if you consider choking his pregnant girlfriend to be troubling yeah right mildly troubled at at, you know mediocre at best but then it makes you not want to give him the benefit of the doubt about it no he doesn't deserve any type of benefit of the doubt and then now there's a detailed denial coming out from tyree kills camp and there's like a text message exchange that seems highly orchestrated in my opinion where his wife was like i did it all and he's like you need you're just trying to get money off me and it just looks completely fake completely bullshit and either way like this guy's been wrapped up in so much shit that it's why would you ever give him the benefit of like you just said uh so in my opinion i doubt he's gonna play again in the nfl maybe uh, definitely not this year right and maybe ever i hope no team ever gives him another look and this is you know we've loved him as a talent we think he's phenomenal as a player, it's is immense a waste of talent as can be. But if this dude actually abused his kid to the point he got a I mean, ever, but especially to the point he broke the kid's fucking arm, which is just disgusting and despicable, then he deserves to be just locked up completely. And whatever treatment comes to him from there, uh, I think it's despicable. I don't know about you. I mean, I'm sure no, you do we're too. on the same page. I mean, I have a kid yeah. like his kid's age. It's disgusting, man. Like, how could you, you ever do that to a three like to anybody but a three year old? Like, what the fuck is wrong? No, I with mean, you? you know, just like. Like he's a different type of person and you know, it's not like we didn't not like there weren't warning signs, but anyway, that's right. it for him. We won't really be talking about him probably this fantasy season. I hope um, and, and you know, if he, if he somehow worms his way back into the league at some point, uh, then we'll ad- address what attention we're going to pay to him for fantasy moving forward. But uh, you know, until further notice, probably the last you'll hear of us talking about Tyreek Hill for a while. But of course his absence is going right. to, I mean, it's going to affect other people. If, uh, I mean, I've got kind of a, a five bullet list here. The first you got to think of, I mean, Hill himself obviously removed. So assuming he's not playing this year, Pat Mahomes, our our golden child, our god, has to take a hit. Now, does he take a big enough hit to not be my quarterback one? I wouldn't say so. He's still atop my rankings, but he's now instead of being a tier by himself all the way at the top, he merges more so with that Baker Mayfield, Andy Luck, Deshaun Watson. I'd still have him above those guys, but he slid down the overall big board to now be ranked in those 40s 50s where i have that tier of quarterbacks um in terms of the other weapons there sammy watkins never stays healthy i get it it's such a risky bet with him but ultimately if he is the number one weapon for pat mahomes in this aerial style attack that just bombs after bomb he's got the deep speed he can run all the routes he's got a solid body to hit the intermediate as well if you were to get 16 games out of this guy he would offer number one overall fantasy receiver upside that's what tyree kill did in that role last year and sammy watkins maybe not quite the burner of tyree kill but a very solid natural talent 
of course the injury risk limits his appeal uh, to reach that the, the floor is very low with Watkins but he now jumps up to wide receiver 16 in my rankings right in that very high end wide receiver 2 potential low end wide receiver 1 41 overall so I'm a bit higher than the experts which is 40 or so spots higher I wonder if they'll catch up because of all this news happening so he takes a massive leap forward I've never been a huge walking guy the again the health is a concern but in terms of talent and opportunity here it's as good as it gets and then Nicole Hardman that rookie we talked a lot about two weeks ago when we we were last able to go complete burner four three forty track all-star type of guy very and built Tyree Kill and skill set to Tyree Kill was apparently very impressive at the rookie mini camp last week. Got better and better every day, they said. Now becomes a much more intriguing uh, penny stock style guy. And who knows what this will do to the running game? Maybe Damian Williams a little bit more active in terms of a greater target share. Maybe they just pound the rock a little bit more without their key uh, wide receiver weapon. But overall, clearly a lot of parties affected here. Um, and Mahomes may be taking the biggest hit of them all. All right, moving on to the second uh, piece of news. Doug Baldwin officially announcing his retirement. I'd have to listen to our last podcast. I feel like I called this. I feel like I you said, did. I think I said, like, man, I wouldn't be surprised if he's done. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he did it. And I don't even think it was really sticking my neck out that far. I mean, he, great career. I love Doug Baldwin. I, I, really I love Doug Baldwin. Yeah, that's what was the first thing I wanted to say. Just pour one out for him because that guy's a monster. One of the best route technicians in the game. Such great double moves. Such a tough physical guy. Had that Steve Smith style fire and passion. He was undersized and not that fast. Just kind of willed his way to being a great NFL receiver. So I love Doug Baldwin. Forever will be one of my, you know, favorite wide receivers in terms of fantasy. He's had some great seasons for me. So I, I miss that guy a lot already. But the implications moving forward, Tyler Lockett yeah. is the first guy you got to look at. Now, this guy only was 55th in the league in targets last year, yet he still was the wide receiver 14 in half PPR leagues. That's how efficient this guy was, which is absolutely insane. He caught more than 80% of his targets, yet he averaged over 14 yards per target. That's insane to have that high of a catch rate with that average depth of target being 14 yards so incredibly efficient he had the second most yards per target since 2015 behind only Gronk ahead of Tyreek Hill and Julio Jones and others uh, league best 13.8 yards per target in 2018 when he really seemed to emerge and, and blow up as Russell Wilson's most trusted deep target uh, it's a testament to both his own deep ball tracking skills as well as the gorgeous deep ball that Russell Wilson throws both are still very much in play coming into this year and you got to imagine the volume maybe doesn't take a huge spike because of how run-heavy they are, but ultimately will take a, a solid amount, 75, 80 targets from Baldwin last year, have to go somewhere, and you imagine Lockett gets the most of those, and then DK Metcalf, that, that Metcalf, that ridiculous athletic freak that enters there, now has even more prime fantasy real estate as most likely the clear-cut number two as long as he continues to impress like he has all last week at rookie minicamp. I mean, you don't get built like DK Metcalf and not see ridiculous volume in this type of opportunity 433 speed 228 pounds 63 40.5 inch vertical that is a deadly weapon i get his routes aren't the cleanest not the crispest in the coming out in this draft class but already pete carroll said he's been impressive he's already made great improvements as a and this pete carroll he sucks everybody off i get it it's coach speak but still it's he said i have no concerns over what he's doing and yes this aerial pie was small again to emphasize but they ask you know play action play action play action they love running the rock and then go 
going deep. That's perfect for Metcalf's skill set. So I think Lockett gets a nice bump up into that low 40s, right around the Sammy Watkins, a little bit lower than Sammy Watkins. Yeah. Uh, but that next tier of wide receivers is a very quality wide receiver too. And Metcalf is upside of a wide receiver three. He's going so late right now in drafts. I still think people are catching up. Right. But if he doesn't go into your top you know, 80 or so after this, if he's still falling that far, I think his opportunity is as good as any rookie receiver outside Nikhil Harry right now. Uh, he could absolutely explode. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm intrigued by what's going to happen with them. And, and, you know, it's one of those things we probably won't have much clarity on that until we're a couple weeks into the season. Uh, right. You know, you know like you said, you know, Pete Carroll's going to suck off everybody and talk about what, how talented everyone is. And we won't know until we see it on the right. field. Beyond those two, I mean, I've heard Keenan Reynolds' name mentioned a lot yeah. as like smoother rookie receiver that has you know great smooth routes that similar to Doug Baldwin mode. Uh, our guy from the Draft Room podcast, I've been on a couple times. He really loves that guy. So shout out to his name and David Moore is another guy that caught a bunch of touchdowns, showed solid ball tracking skills last year as well, but had inconsistent volume. Maybe his role increases. Russell Wilson does he take a massive hit? Not really. I think he's going to get it done with whoever he's throwing to, and he still has intriguing weapons and didn't have Doug Baldwin for much of last year and still was one of the most efficient deep passers in the league. So I'm not bumping him too far down either. I wonder if the run game's even more involved now too, but that's just trying to cover all the bases here of again, one of our favorite all time players stepping off the field. Love that guy. And I also like that you brought attention to the fact that he used Thrones to announce his retirement. Um, we should discuss Thrones at the end of the podcast. We will, yeah. If you're okay. a Game of Thrones fan, we, we get that last. I, I, we'll we'll talk about it at the end of the podcast. All right, let's get into <laughs> yes, veteran yeah. winners. Uh, first on the list, Marlon Mack. This is a guy we've been talking about for, and a lot of people have been talking about for at least a year now. If you recall in the last offseason, I mean, this was the guy that was touted by the coaching staff as like this is the guy this is the guy this is the guy was not a sexy pick uh you know i know we like naeem hines for a while and then i mean there were other people that were were just much more attractive picks mac was hurt for a good chunk but once he got the opportunity he really was the guy uh he really did Mm -hmm. get the carries you'd almost call him like a three down horse i mean he, he scored a lot of fantasy points, and that it seems like he doesn't have any competition now going into this year, and and that seems to be a, almost a pretty easy call that we're going to be seeing that from him next season or this season. A hundred percent. And in terms to paint the exact numbers from what you just summarized perfectly. It was from week six on when he returned the fifth most attempts in the league. Uh, And this is, again, Frank Reich, who's mostly been a committee-based backfield throughout his career. But he gives this guy the fifth most attempts. Mack responds with 785 rushing yards, the seventh most over that span. If you include the playoff games, he becomes the second leading rusher in the NFL with 979. He crushed it uh, against, I believe, the Texans that game. And then he had the second most TDs in the league from week six on. He had 10 total rushing TDs uh, over one per game which was just amazing and the most first down rushes as well in the league with 57 over that span um and and now uh, the whole offseason you're like okay he clearly this guy dominated i should mention too the colts were 10 and 0 whenever he got 14 or more touches and 0 and 3 when he didn't so they had that also just clear cut they were a better team when feeding mac um 
And then coming into the offseason, Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, their GM, both praised him, say he's our featured back. He's a, a three-down horse. It was very clear how much better our running game got as the year went on, as Marlon Mack did his thing. Um, and we're just trying to build with Marlon Mack. But you had such a, a loaded free agent class in terms of Le'Veon Bell. There's so many ties there. A decent draft class, lots of interesting guys falling. And they had nobody. They don't add a single free agent other than Spencer Ware. And it's like Spencer Ware, that was you know just a week ago. They clearly weren't making a priority to go get this guy and they don't draft anybody of note. So yeah, maybe there's still going to be that game flow situation where Hines gets a lot of the receiving work. Maybe Jordan Wilkins or Ware working if they're really killing a team, but they've touted this guy at Marlon Mack as a three down horse all off season. And this was a situation where the actions match the words he set up for a massive blow up this year. He rises all the way up to late second round to me, uh, RB at top 10 to me. And I wonder what your take is who you would rather have. There's this tier of running backs. that just puts my mind in a pretzel. No, throw a Marlon Mack, Marlon Mack's in this tier. Also with Nick Chubb, with Derrick Henry, Damian Williams. I would say they're all kind of this like very high end RB2. You can still get by with them as your RB1 tier. Uh, I don't know how I sort them out right now, but that it's a so tough tier. I don't know how I sort them out either. Uh, you know, I really like Chubb, but I don't think I would take him. I mean, uh, in that group, I think there's too much competition. I mean, I don't know. He's got Kareem Hunt right there with him. I don't know. So I, I don't love that, even though I love the Browns' offense. I, I think there's a way you could really get screwed on Nick Chubb, even though I really yeah, like you him. Think Mitz, I mean, Kareem Hunt was a talent we we both love. That's The bet on Chubb there, and the reason I keep him in that tier is like, if he dominates for those eight weeks and this offense is the yeah, machine yeah, yeah. we expect it to be, why would they go and screw that up with another guy? And if that is the case, Chubb has you know top fantasy running back overall upside yeah. if he becomes that down horse. I'm not saying he doesn't belong in that tier. I think he absolutely does. I would be scared. I mean, I I like him more than anyone else on that. He's the he's the riskiest of that. Right. I mean, you know, he's probably got the highest ceiling, and I don't know. He's his floor could be pretty. Maybe maybe the lowest floor. Of those four guys, you said Williams, you said Chubb, you said Mack, and and Henry. Oh God, Henry. I, I hear you get a little horny in the well, pants. Well, I mean, I'm horny oh, in the okay. pants, but oh, also, but also like, you know, God, but how many, how many times it's like, it's like meeting a, a really, really hot woman in the, in the bar, like a bunch of different times. And like, yeah. she literally is like, all right, let's go back to my place. And you and like, she's like, wait for me outside. And you like pay the check and you go wait for her out, her outside. And, and she stands you up. And then the same thing right. happens next week and you keep falling for it. And, the, and then at the end of it all, she goes and just yeah, ravages just, your buddy. Right, and you and see, you just, you you see how good she your could buddy be. And leaves you to rub one out by the dumpster in the alley. <laughs> but it's so gorgeous that you're like, okay, maybe I'll go back to you. Cause I no, just saw you do. What you you're like, oh, all right, this week, really? You're not going yeah. to leave me standing? You're not going to leave me by the dumpster again, are you? Okay. Uh, and then man, you do it. I so I don't know. Derrick Henry scares me. I, you know, I might take Mac. I don't know. Mac is the top for me too. I guess we're on the the same page. Maybe, I mean, yeah, you got all maybe. those factors, right? The explosive offense, the pretty sure volume at this and point, we, and we've seen it. And He's then, good. right, exactly. He was the run, he was the number one, number eight running back from week six on, and I'd see no reason why he can't replicate those totals again. All right, let's move on. Damian Williams, Carlos Hyde rise as the Chiefs make minimal draft day backfield moves. Um, you know that that's one of the possible knocks on Williams, though, is you got Hyde, who's a very competent running back, certainly a competent backup running back. Now they don't do anything to mess around with the Kansas City backfield, so it's going to be these guys. It looks like. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I just 
I totally agree. Carlos Hyde could be a much bigger thorn in the side of Williams, and I think a lot of people are giving him credit for. We've talked about that at length, that you got to go out and get both these guys. I was just nervous it might become one of those three-headed, who-the-hell-do-I-take situations. Right. Let's say they went in round three and took their version of Kareem Hunt uh, again and tried to take another stab, because Andy Reid does scout his running backs clearly quite well, the ones that fit his system. So if they had made an earlier investment in that backfield, then it becomes like, who the fuck is this going to be? But clearly they have faith in Williams and Hyde, and if it's going to be both those guys, I really like Williams. We all we've talked at nauseum yeah. about how this guy averaged over 22 fantasy points per game, trailed only Todd Gurley in per game pace once he took over, scored 10 touchdowns in only six games, which was just an insane pace, and really was not all that unreplicable. I'm not, I'm trying to say he he could totally do that again because this offense is such a juggernaut. I know they lose Tyree kill probably for this year, but when you got Mahomes, this offense is going to constantly live in the red zone. So you got Andy Reid, who's always preferred that three down bell cow. One of those two guys is going to be a monster. I just love that. They didn't add anyone else and kind of mix up the pot. And now I know I can still go out and get Damian Williams in late round three. I can go and get Carlos Hyde in late round eight. Right now he's still going beyond round 10. I imagine that will rise make sure i lock that backfield up and there's not a third guy really muddying it sure they added a six round guy darwin thompson in round six but they've already labeled him as a change of pace guy he's probably going to be more that d'anthony thomas comes in in certain specific packages and is used very sparingly i love damian williams following this move and if carlos had the only competition he faced yeah i get hide caught 59 passes a couple seasons ago he has more of a versatile skill set than people give him credit for so i need them both but to me this was a huge move that and a huge vote of confidence for both of these guys that come with you know top seven fantasy running back upside but don't cost you nearly the price that it would cost otherwise all right i'm agree i'm in agreement with you on all that um the chiefs are going to be an interesting thing to figure out as the season right. goes on man they really are i mean I, i'm here for the ride i'm here for it we'll, yeah we'll the, see the only way it, it gets ruined in my opinion would be if it becomes like hides a goal line hammer and suddenly those uh, 10 pounds and, and Hyde is a beast uh, Hyde so is kind of a goal line hammer <laughs> he, he can certainly plunge it in from short no, they got a lot of options from the one they got a great tight end they got an amazing right. running quarterback and a passing quarterback they got Hyde. they got i mean you know williams really? is certainly ten competent from i mean games. 10 touchdowns yeah. in six games obviously the guy he can score can get it done we know he can i just really hope it doesn't devolve into one of those because if it does become a committee then it's like ah fuck i put both right. these picks of these guys and now i don't know which one's scoring each week but andy reed's never done that so we'll, we'll see i don't i don't think this is the year he changed that trend no walruses don't change their stripes all right um all right <laughs> drake exits the draft with an improved line and minimal competition that's true that's what a guy like Kenyon drake needs to succeed minimal competition i know a steady God. supply of nobody else good on his team I know. I'm I'm thrilled though. I love you know me. I've yeah. always been a Kenyon Drake truther. Uh ever since he every year he just seems to destroy the Patriots. So every time That's I watch true. this guy play, I sit and I wonder why is he not receiving more touches? Because this guy is a threat to score every single time he touches the rock. Thankfully, two of the biggest thorns in his usage side were Adam Gase and Frank Gore. They were both removed early in the offseason, and then you go into the draft worried maybe they add someone. Sure, they take a, a sixth-round rookie, Miles Gaskin. Yeah, he dominated over four years in college, but sixth-rounder, nothing too explosive about this guy. Certainly not on the level of Drake if he's used properly. And you add in Brian Flores, who comes from the Patriots system and specifically brings in Chad O'Shea, the wide receiver coach of the Patriots, who comes out and says the back's a crucial part of this offseason 
offense. Uh, you look at the Dolphins roster and, and it's exciting to look at the backs they have. We've played against them. We've seen how explosive they are. So you get a guy like Kenyon Drake, who at minimum seems perfect for that James White style. Uh, get him out on the hinge, get him on the wheels, get him. Out. He can do them all. And you get him in space and get him the rock. He's as dangerous as can be. Uh, so I love that he's his usage and the, the style of usage in particular should skyrocket with minimum competition there. They go out and also add two linemen, um, Michael Dentler, and then attack a print. They go and get a fullback in Chandler Cox, which also to me suggests they're going to go much heavier in the run game than they have in the past. They get Josh Rosen. So obviously that's still a mixed bag how good Rosen's going to be. But they, when Ryan Fitzpatrick was the only other quarterback standing there, you feel a little more confident the surrounding talent won't just completely tank whoever's in that backfield. So, yeah, I get that the, the Patriots have been more of a committee style, tough to predict. And that's where these two guys, Flores and O'Shea, come from. But to me, it, it seems like Drake's path to significant use inside of this offense to the usage he really truly deserves because of how explosive a talent he is led the league in rushing in 2017 when he finally took over in week uh, seven I believe so uh, this guy can really get it done and I think he's now in a, a prime situation for that high-end athleticism to be fully capitalized upon all right Bruce Arian says on running back Peyton Barber that he is quote the kind of I like to build around unquote really really I- you know, that that was my exact reaction when he said that at the combine. I go, okay, good one, Aaron. I didn't even bother to write up a report. I don't think we should really spend too much time on this because that just sounds like a coach speak to me. I mean, we've seen it Peyton, but we've like, seen right. Peyton Barber play. So, that, I mean, yes, it sounds like complete coach speak. That's why I didn't spend any time breaking it down at the combine when it was said. But you look at the Bucks' actions. They did not only avoid drafting a running back. They still haven't signed any undrafted free agent dra- uh, rookie running yeah, back. Yeah, I, so I believe him. I believe him. I don't think he's lying, now. really. But, ju- you know, just because, like you say, someone's the type of guy you like to build around. I mean, we've seen him play. He's not very good. I don't he's think. Not- He's, he's certainly your just standard plotter that can just kind of churn four to five yards. But that's what Arians likes out of his back. He likes big guys, and, and Peyton Barber certainly is pretty massive at 230 pounds. Uh, and he cited him. He said, you know, I love Barber. When you watch him on tape, you don't see his 230 pounds. You think he's 205-pound running back because he's got great feet. He's not a home run hitter, but he gets those 10, 15-yard runs, breaks, tackles, power runner, punishing runner. That's the kind of back I like to build around when I'm building something. Uh, And so even though he's not that thrilling, you're looking at 15-ish plus carries a week inside an offense that we both expect to take a solid leap forward under Bruce Arians. He's led some of the higher scoring attacks league so he gets that goal line role we saw david johnson score 20 touchdowns under bruce Harris. i get it Eric, pain barbers that's not. david johnson david johnson i they're not even worlds to be comparable they're so far apart but richard mendenhall wasn't all that special same type of build i just see a guy that's gonna get pretty good volume in a nice situation so even if the talent doesn't inspire me or you the fantasy formula is a lot more than just individual talent and i think barber a lot of everything else is grading quite high for this guy, particular usage and surrounding talent. It's going to be one of those bargains because nobody – like your reaction, gross, disgusting. I don't love Look, him. There's a, a place I would take him. And, I'm, I mean, yeah. I took him last year, although I liked him uh, last I, year. And everyone wants to tout up Ronald Jones because he's got that nah, speed. No, fuck that. Exactly, I'm, if this guy couldn't beat up Barber last year, why is he suddenly going to beat him out this year? I'm I'm going with him. I, no, I like Barber look, right around the, the end of the sixth, seventh round as a volume guy and a good offense. I, I'm buying it. I'm, I'm not super – high on Barber, but you're certainly not going to hear me making the take Ronald Jones instead argument. 
All right, uh, moving to number five, uh, Lamar Miller, Deontay Foreman, still atop the Texans running back depth chart, which is kind of like, uh, you know, <laughs> I almost just said something uh, <laughs> super rude. I almost said something that was going to get us censored up. <laughs> I'll tell you after we go up there what I would have said. Um, they're still atop the Texans running back depth chart. <laughs> receive, uh, run, they received some line upgrades. Um, be careful, people. Beware. Beware. Yeah, it's, it's, Beware. Again, Lamar Miller sucks. Beware. It's it's kind of like the Peyton Barber I almost situation, made the Miller but, to Peyton Barber comparison before I even knew Miller was the next thing we were going to be talking about. It, that would have been a good one to make because it's a, one of those situations. The Texans should be one of the better offenses in the league. We love Deshaun Watson. We love DeAndre Hopkins. If Fuller, for whatever reason, can finally stay healthy, they're going to have some serious points put up in 2019. And who's going to see the volume? For whatever reason, it seems to, again, be Lamar fucking Miller. Am I happy that it's him? No, because you put a good talent in this situation and they could be a top 10 fantasy running back because it's such a juicy situation. But Lamar Miller, bleh, disgusting, but still a guy getting significant volume in a discuss in a great overall situation. You got to respect that in terms of fantasy. I do like Donta Foreman more. We've seen some yeah, good quality workouts. Uh, he looks quick and nimble. Like he's finally over that Achilles hump. And this is a big, powerful back that was starting to slowly take that backfield over before tearing the Achilles. He can catch the ball well. It was just a complete monster course at Texas for those so I'm more intrigued by him, even if I know Miller's the first guy I take in fantasy. I love Dante Foreman's sleeper value. goes well after pick 100 right now, and I think has a very minimal hurdle to clear in um, Lamar Miller to be that kind of workhorse in this great scheme. He's a guy that could do some quality high-end RB2 things in this offense if he's fully healthy and gets that volume. For now, though, you got to give Lamar Miller a little more respect than I'd like to. Uh, he jumps up to the top 60 or so in my big board, which, again, I, I hate it. It's disgusting. I don't like Lamar Miller. He's gotten volume in this offense before and just been like a mediocre RB2. But <laughs> what, do, what do you want to say? Clearing, <laughs> clearing like getting getting like over Lamar Miller, like that being the hurdle you have to get over. That's like the mountain having to push past Kyburn to get down the stairs to get to the mountain. <laughs> I love that, like, dude. How hard gonna, that, gonna, that wasn't the thing I was going to say before, but I just – for some reason when you when you were like, oh, he's got to get past Lamar Miller, I was like, well, that's a low bar. I, I'm going to make that meme. I got to get that – I'm going to rip that video and just write Dr. Foreman clearing the – We, we could use that for – a million things we could use that for any depth chart things when when you, all you got to do to get by like someone to start is get by this guy Kyburn will be that guy <laughs> the best part too is my i had a buddy that was like all about Kyburn, like getting to the top he's like see look at him he's gonna escape here i'm telling you he's on this way and then the, it literally like two seconds later the mountain just hurls him against His the rock brains are dashed against things yeah yeah that, that's that's a hot take right there Kyburn ending up on the yeah. iron throne <laughs> That was not working out for me. Exactly. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right, number six, Leonard Fournette remains the Jaguars' unquestioned workhorse behind bolstered line. But I mean, is anyone really even going to play hard this year without Blake Bortles there? Without Sir Blake, on, I mean, does anybody even give a shit? Probably not. Without your London God, no, probably not. You're right. Uh, but with the London God removed, is a situation we still got to consider the fact that Nick Foles has to make this offense better overall. You cannot be worse than what Blake Bortles was bringing to the table. They add a, a they got a steal in round two uh, with a massive lineman addition that's going to pave some better holes for him. And then they don't address running back till I believe round five, and it's just a, a different style back. So more of that TJ yelled mold 
to me, everything is in Leonard Fournette's favor outside of, of course, health, which is the major red flag with this guy. But two seasons ago as a rookie, this guy was a monster. He was a workhorse and, and looked very solid doing so. Last year, he just never seemed fully healthy, looked more of a plotter. I'm not a Fournette guy. I'm still not sitting like you're saying I'm going to run out there and get him. I'm a little bit lower than the ECR. But after the draft, I, I wouldn't hate if I'm sitting there in round three and Leonard Fournette sitting there. I mean, there is the the situation that this guy could emerge as a, a RB one. Again, the setups there, I mean, John DeFilippo, the, the new offensive coordinator doesn't typically prefer workhorses, typically been much more pass happy, but Doug Marone's the opposite. So I imagine that offense will get some balance, uh, it's, but it's not enough for me to say, let's, uh, you know, I'd rather have Chris Carson still. I'd rather have Josh Jacobs, I'd rather have Mark Ingram, but now Leonard Fournette at least enters that tier where he's yeah. a, a tier below. I expected them to go earlier at draft uh, in the draft at running back. They clearly given this guy at least one more shot to show he can be their workhorse of the future after they took him at four overall. So let's see what he does. I, I'm yep. more let's willing see what to he own does. Leonard Fournette. I guess, I guess that's what I'll put it. I'm more willing to own Leonard Fournette. Not targeting him, but I'm not avoiding him anymore. All right, moving into part two here, we're going to talk about guys who have gotten better because their lines have gotten better, basically. Um, the lineman additions, not sexy, but can result in some real sex appeal for some other people. Uh, and first and foremost on this list, you'd have to say Joe Mixon. I mean, his path, you know, I mean, we, we're already pretty high on Joe Mixon. Got to yep. say, I mean, speaking of guys that did terrible things and are still playing in the NFL, the guy's a really good running back. Um, what addition came his way that you think is going to make him even stronger? And where where do you put him on your big board now? Ah, man, it's tough for him to rise much higher on the big board, Joe Mixon, because he was already at seven overall, which was already seven to ten spots higher than his ECR, where he's fallen to round two. Um, and most experts' rankings, he was already a clear cut, like middle first rounder, has every bit of upside as anyone else in this and uh, in this running back class. But now it's even better. You know, everything I liked about Mixon, the individual talent, very versatile guy. He has an offensive coordinator in Zach Taylor this year that's coming from the Rams that has that McVay system, which is fully built upon the running back and using him in the screen game and being deceptive through your run game. It's all funneled through Gurley. This offense should all funnel through Joe Mixon. The only thing I didn't love about him was the line was still highly mediocre. The first thing they do in the NFL draft is at the top-ranked run blocker, according to Pro Football Focus, and Joe William, mass tackle addition. They draft best tight end of this draft class as well so clearly they have this mission they're clearly going all in on the running back that offense built upon the running back and they want more uh opportunities and more open holes for him i love everything about him already and i like him even more because the line the one question i had about him is now getting addressed to me uh, it, people I, i'd much rather have joe mixon than even levy on bell at this point and you look at guys like saquon barkley who obviously as a talent is one of the best in the league but that overall offense is gross that line is gross man it's getting a lot closer the gap between Barkley and Mixon in my opinion it's not quite closed yet but moves like this are are making me believe Mixon has all the upside of that tier one of even like the Christian McCaffrey's and whatnot he's right he's knocking on that door he's ready to break it down I think in 2019 all right number two David Johnson as you know one of the like three backs that I've been struggling with like do I keep this guy uh because of the competition I feel like every one of those backs on the list has now been someone I've seriously considered at this point, you're hardcore in the camp of hang on to this guy, right? I mean, yeah. like you, you think this could this could be it? Like I could have a real steal on my hands here. 
I think 100%. You see the, the Cardinals go all in on this air raid with Cliff Kingsbury by drafting Kyler Murray, the guy that he's loved since playing against him and just always coveted. He gets the exact quarterback he's always wanted. They go and get two wide receiver weapons in Isabella and Hakeem Butler that fit that air raid mold to go with a Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. It goes from one of the worst overall offensive talents in situations to now potentially one of the more explosive attacks. If this Kingsbury attack ignites like I think it could, like our guy Drew Hollingshead thinks it could, it could be an absolute points factor. That defense remains pretty questionable, so it could be back and forth. And Hollingshead made it very clear, this is called the air raid offense, but if you have a foundational back that can catch the ball, then he's going to be funneled by far the most looks in the, and touch the ball the, the most out of anybody. And he said David Johnson is the absolute premier perfect fit, and how could he not be? We saw what he could do as a pass catcher with over 80 catches just two seasons ago under Bruce Arians. We saw him score 20 total touchdowns, so if this offense is using him more properly in the passing game as he should always have been if they're setting him up for more scoring chances now with a more overall stacked cast i see no reason why he can't return to those number one style running back numbers that he had maybe not 2020 well, like he had a couple years ago but 1615 certainly realistic and definitely a guy that's jumped into my first round after being a fringe first rounder before the draft so you think if i could start my draft deandre hopkins david johnson i'm doing all right Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'd still probably have if you're the only one. I'd probably still go. No, Hopkins I get, I get two. Sure, I get but two. Yeah, both those guys. I mean, you're getting two first rounders right there. I think right. that's a fantastic two. start to your draft. And then I get the first pick of the third round, like whoever the number one guy is, because I won the chase. Like you know, all the people that don't make the playoffs, uh, then uh, we play the going forward, and whoever has the highest total gets the number one. So I did win the. I was a really good team to not make the playoffs, and so you got to have one of. The better situations entering. I mean, is there anybody you look at that has like two absurd keepers like Kamara and, you know, McCaffrey or something like that? No, or is nobody that, that good. I, I like where I'm at right now. If Johnson pans yeah. out, I really like where I'm at. But if Johnson doesn't pan out, then I'm just in the mix again. So right. We'll at least the offseason, though, it's made. I remember we talked back after the Super Bowl and it was like Sony Michelle and David yep. Johnson. I had Sony Michelle, like, Nick Chubb, and David Johnson. And I remember I, at that time, you were like uh, Johnson third, I think. <laughs> right. Exactly. It goes to show you how the values can change over the offseason, right? right? I mean, that's right. why we call it a stock market. It's it's much clearer, David Johnson, over those other yep. two at this point. So Absolutely. at least you got some clarity gained. Yeah, I got some clarity. I'll see who's available uh, as far as if I want to keep one of those other guys. We'll see who's there's yeah. an intern walking by behind you right now, cameraman. Um, <laughs> and uh, who's that intern that just keeps like creepily lurking uh, in the back? <laughs> I was gonna say he's probably fetching you a latte, right? Um, yeah, exactly. All right, uh, number three. Too much sugar in this Dalvin one. Give me back I know. Throw it at him. Jesus. <laughs> Dalvin Cook rises with athletic center. Garrett Bradbury added one thing that one, when we make it big, you're never going to be able to accuse us of is treating interns with respect and decency. We're going to treat never. them like shit. We're telling you right now, folks, once we hit it. Yeah. I mean, there's one that's still in the basement of your old place. Yeah, like, hopefully exactly. somebody will move his bones at some point. But seriously, <laughs> if you want a great employment opportunity, once we get a little bigger than this road street journal, but we will just, we'll treat you like a dog. Absolutely. And absolutely. we won't and we won't pay you. <laughs> but you'll get to you'll get to be around us. You'll get to be like, yeah, man, I saw Nat the Truth Jones in the hallway today. Yeah, he spit on me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway uh, Perfect. What an opportunity. Yeah, okay, back what I was saying. Dalvin Cook rises with athletic center Garrett Bradbury. A good center actually matters a hell of a lot, even though, like I said, it's not sexy. 
Absolutely. I mean, it's the stabilizing position of the offensive line. Everything kind of flows outward. We saw what Ryan Kelly did for the Colts, and then they added guard next to him. After you stabilize that interior, it's so huge for the line, especially in terms of the running game. And what I absolutely love about this guy, Garrett Bradbury, even before he gets drafted, everyone talking about 90th percentile athleticism you know, can really get to the second level of the defense would be absolutely perfect for a zone blocking scheme is what our guy Dane Brugler uh, writes on, on, um, friend of the podcast. on Garrett Bradbury, a friend of the pod back a couple of years ago. And then former he goes friend and of the podcast. former friend of the pod, never really wanted to get back to us. I wonder why. I, I think we had our first Seamus appearance in Dane Brugler's episode. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that scared him away. Yeah, he was super, super flamboyant in that episode, which is exactly what <laughs> we want by the way exactly thank you Seamus can't right. wait for you to return yeah, bring it back uh, run that we shit have back. plans to get him back on but again Garrett Bradbury the athleticism is his calling card was scouted as the ideal zone blocking center and now goes and lands in Gary Kubiak the zone blocking guru of all time his, his zone blocking scheme is the perfect spot and Delvin Cook similar to Joe Mixon a, a second round running back who we absolutely love in terms of individual talent and the scheme fit with the zone blocking and um and Gary Kubiak, a scheme that's made 2,000-yard rushers out of much lesser talent than what Dalvin Cook goes. The only question marks were health for Dalvin Cook, a huge question mark still, but also that offensive line. And it's not like one guy completely overhauls the line, but certainly when you're right in the middle of everything, can make a massive impact. They also signed a couple linemen as well. So I, I think Dalvin Cook's outlook, as much as we already loved it, as much as this was a guy we were all in on the, the round two running back picture, you got to love him even more. If he can stay healthy for 16 games, he's going to rush for 2,000 yards. A bold prediction, but I'm calling it now. Okay, I like stick your fucking neck out, man. It's it's Hell fucking yeah. mid May. Go for it, yeah. uh, Devonte Freeman. Someone that man, if you owned him last year, it was probably like taking a hot poker up your ass, like you know every <laughs> every couple hours for the entire football season. Um, mm. And you would think you'd get used to something like that, but I know people that had Devonte Freeman, they didn't get used to it. They didn't enjoy it. No, no, no that was <laughs> a real fucking. Real fucking. Have at least gotten used to that feeling of the poker up the ass. Maybe just because we do it so often to him. But well, right. There's some people. But I mean, I, I think I'm going to say owning Devonte Freeman probably worse than that. Um, yeah. But you're saying his value is boosted by two first round lineman additions. How big of a difference do you think that's going to make? I mean, this is a team that had heavy defensive needs, and they trade into the first round for a second first round, and both of them go towards stabilizing a line that really wasn't all that bad anyways. It's supposedly the only offensive line in, I think, maybe history. I got to go double-check that. Schefter had a tweet on it that is going to roll out a offensive line unit that is all first-round overall picks uh, in, in the NFL draft. Usually there's at least a couple patchwork pieces here and there. This, on paper, should be among the top offensive lines. They already were ranking among top, uh, pro football folks' top 12, and you inject even that much more talent I don't love Dirk Cutter historically in terms of running back production, but a lot of that is like he had Peyton Barber last year. And then the, the years before when he was with the Falcons, he had like a washed up Steven Jackson and Michael Turner. Steven and Jackson. At- Michael Remember Turner. That? 
Yeah, just two, All right. great, two awesome guys historically. But when he got them, they were clearly on their last legs. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it just he hasn't had a ton to work with. The last time he had some strong running backs was really in Jacksonville when he had Maurice Jones Drew. And he used that guy to absolute perfection, consistently churning out 1,400-ish total yard and multi uh, double-digit TD seasons. So Devonta Freeman gets these massive line additions. Uh, they don't really dra- – they drafted a couple running backs that you got to be wary of. So maybe he has a couple running backs in mind, those, you know, fourth rounder guys. I don't know if this becomes more of a committee. To me, that says more about their lack of faith in Ito Smith than it does towards Devonta Freeman. So huge offensive line upgrades for him. Uh, two athletic but beastly run blockers in um, – hold on. where the, There it is. Chris Lidstrom with the 14th overall yep. pick. Then they trade up to get uh, Caleb McGarry. Just two massive, massive lineman additions. I, I You got to – as unsexy as Devonta Freeman seems – he falls to round three in this offense. They averaged, you know, fifth most points in the league last year. He could be entering a very prime situation. Yeah, Deshaun Watson. Speaking of, we talked about, we touched about on this, uh, you know, based on the running back angle for the Texans. Deshaun Watson to benefit from the protection boost behind his revamped line. You have to think that also affects the running backs. So we, like I said, we already did talk about that a little bit. Uh, you think this like boosts his stock significantly? I mean, they had among the worst offensive yeah, lines. That's true. Back it was to back pretty seasons. Awful. Uh, and the guy they drafted is an interesting one because there's some guys that were more proven. They drafted this guy, Titus Howard, who actually used to be a, a quarterback, and they put some basketball highlights. A real athletic freak style guy that got converted to tackle, showed some amazing traits that could make him one of the best tackles in the league, but certainly rawer than your standard left tackles. Not a lock by any means type of guy, but either way, it's going to be better than what they're rolling out already. Uh, Titus Howard is so. Deshaun Watson, the, the main complaint about him is injury and injury being induced by the fact that he's always under pressure. You give this guy a little more time to, to throw. He's got a great arm and is a fantastic pocket passer. We just almost always only recognize the fact that he's on the run and can throw it so well. Uh, that certainly will benefit Deshaun Watson in this entire passing game if Titus Howard reaches his ceiling and his potential. And even if he doesn't, he's got to be better than whatever they were rolling out last year. My children have been running in and passing me notes as I'm talking to you, basically asking if they can watch more TV. Uh, they, did you say yes? I did the first time. This time I circled no. They wrote a thing that said <laughs> circle, circle one, yes or no, can we watch another episode? And I know from experience that if you get past a certain, uh, a certain amount of time, uh, they become wrecks. So I've cut them off, which means nice. my time is also limited. Um, but that, well, that, 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 but that concludes about. the football stuff. We got to talk about Game of Thrones for a minute. Absolutely, um, episode. What are your What are your thoughts here? I, I would say, as a season overall, I've been highly underwhelmed. Uh, the yeah, battle, me too. The, the battle in the darkness. I hated that episode three. The so much hype for the longest sequence battle of all time just didn't really live up. I love the fact that I could at least see this one. Yeah, it was, um, you, you, you could, visually, far, it was very appealing. Like if you just absolutely. ignored the story and everything completely, you're like, oh, this is really cool. But man, the the storytelling has taken such a downward it's, turn oh man. my it's god awful. yeah I, I, that was the thing is like the storytelling has gone bad and even the visual piece of things hadn't been there as well so at least we got that classic trademark like insane battles the game bowl was pretty fucking badass when they're just smashing the yeah, rocks it was just good like stuff. I thought that was an engaging battle. I thought just, you know, obviously the dragon footage was the best we've ever seen in Thrones. Um, but, I mean, it, it's just one of those things. 
as a whole, if you look at the season as a whole, highly underwhelmed and mainly because, as you alluded to, the storytelling has just taken such a ridiculous hit. I mean, Um, you want to sell me on on Varys, who is like the slickest guy ever, like just all of a sudden in the span of like four minutes goes and just gets caught doing something. And I mean, he's like, really? Varys is just going to directly go to like Tyrion and Jon Snow, like Jon Snow being like the one guy in the world who's like loyal to a fault, who would certainly say something about it and just get (laughs) caught. I mean, it's like that doesn't make any sense at all that that would happen. Like he's he's the spider. He's survived like a million kings where he's going to go up to Jon Snow and just be like, uh, and just be like, yeah, man, like, uh, hey, I think we should overthrow the queen. I mean, you know, and then it's like, okay, we're going to burn you alive. And he's like, ah, okay, you got me. I mean, it just didn't make sense. Also, the Euron Euron Greyjoy, are are we to assume that he just swam from his, like, destroyed ship and happened (laughs) to show up on the same beach that Jamie was at? Yeah, lands. I mean, can you, let's assume just for a second that he's like, yeah, Kingslayer, let's fight. It's like the dude washed up on, on shore. I mean, did he did he swim from his boat? Do you have any? I mean, he's that's like two miles, Very three taxing. miles. That's physically taxing. And yeah, wearing his taxing. tight little leather tunic, he he swam like two or three miles and just popped out of the water and was like, "Let's fight." Also, like he had Jamie completely beat, and then he like let Jamie pretty slowly just kind of get up and get a sword and then run him through. I was like, "Well, that was a real bad job of finishing." That was, right, exactly. I don't know. I was I was not thrilled with that. my typical performance in the I bedroom. I also thought yeah, Danny's <laughs> madness was a little ridiculous. Like, I mean, she could have, she had it one. She didn't have to like, just go murder a bunch of people. Like that's, that, that seemed like madness on a different level that was possibly unwarranted. Yeah. You could have, I mean, I get the, the point, the intended effect, the sure. mad queen to, you know, c- compare to her dad, the mad King. Yeah, I, get it. I understand it. They could have certainly accomplished that without so much madness and so much death. I mean, I certainly appreciate the yeah, visual. I didn't mind it. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't mind watching it. I just thought it was just lazy. I, like a lot of stuff in this season. I think mean, that's a good way to summarize it. It's like, it was a visual delight. The episode as a whole was very absorbing in terms of the, some of those battles, gray worm stabbing people and just that gang kind of moving through. Yeah. The aria running through the wreckage and a good. Uh, good battle between the Kuganses. Tons of things that absorb visually and visibly, but in terms of like emotionally and storytelling. Yeah. I mean, a ton of it was bullshit. I, I just, this uh, hasn't been anything that's really truly shocked me at all this no, season. No, me either. Me either. It's it's pretty much gone. For a reason like uh, uh, we'll see how this last episode goes, but I'm, I'm to me, done. This from, like, yeah. I'm done as far as like having hope that like oh they're gonna tie it all up in this episode and I'm gonna be like yeah man like I mean I I'm, I've seen enough. It's kind of like seeing Peyton Barber run. It's like. I've now I now have enough of a sample size of like this season and a lot of last season where I'm just like okay like they're they're crappy storytellers like, right they it, weren't ex- it, they it, weren't expecting to be caught holding the bag well, like when this guy didn't finish the series and now we're just kind of stuck with this and so okay it's I'm you know it's it's good that it's ending if this is where it's gone I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens if. George R. R. Martin does actually ever finish these novels? Like, is he going to write a completely different ending than I, what we no saw? Way on the he's, show? There's no way he's going to write this crap. Right. I mean, exactly. Come on, like he's so a skilled writer. We've seen he's a great writer. The guy put forth. My wife says that like the I want to say like the third Game of Thrones book. She's like is like one of the best books she's ever read ever in her oh, life. She's read all the books now. <laughs> she, she really got all into she it. She read huh? the books first. Oh, I got you. Yeah. And then once she had read, read the, the books, books she too. was like, this is amazing. And I was like, yeah, I've been telling you that for like 10 years. 
yeah but you're stubborn oh, shit and you never listen to anything yeah. i say so whatever Absolutely. no but she says the third book's like the best book she's like ever read in her life just about. The, the last like 100 or so pages of that book were some of the best writing i, I couldn't put it down i would stay up to like two two to three in the morning i hadn't had that feeling in quite some time so i agree with her that that third book was amazing yeah i mean we'll see we'll see how this all ends it's, it is like a you know like a jamal charles or like one of those nfl running backs that just is so explosive and amazing and unpredictable out of the gate and you just like love him for how all over the place and how home run of a hitter he, he could be. And then it just, you know, when it hits the wall, it hit the wall fucking hard and just seems to be lingering for a little bit longer than it ever should have. Right. It's time. It's time. It's time. So hopefully this last episode, I feel at least like okay about it ending. But I mean, it, it went from my favorite show of all time and seemed like almost untouchable. Yeah. To now it's like, you know, the way Breaking Bad wrapped up was so perfect and great that 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 might now take a, over the throne of, of favorite TV show. Not to use a pun. But yeah, no, but you're right. You're right. I had the same same thoughts. Exactly. Like if you had asked me a season or two ago. Is this the greatest show ever? I'd have probably just been like, yeah, it's the greatest show ever. Yeah. And now I'm like, probably. Mm. Yeah, because no, exactly. I mean, shows like Breaking Bad and The Wire and stuff, I thought they ended really well. Right. You know, so whatever. Exactly. All right. That's going to wrap things up for today's show. My children aren't watching TV anymore, so I can only matter, you gotta uh, imagine go, like yeah. what's going on <laughs> in the rest of the house. Um, you got any social media you want to pump up? I do real quick. If you like this episode, want the show notes, you can go to ffbdpod.com slash 79 or just visit ffbdpod.com. That's our web page for the podcast specifically. Everything else you can find, all the writing and whatnot based on this episode too, is found on rotostreetjournal.com. Those are our home bases. But then we go, of course, you can find us on all the socials, Roto Street Journal on Instagram and Facebook, Roto ST Journal on Twitter. Me personally, if you want to connect and talk to me, Roto Street Journal. And why wouldn't you? Oh, you got it. I love it. And, and we've got a great wolf pack. Um, we do have a great wolf pack. I, lo- I love our wolf pack. I can't wait for to, to see it grow throughout this summer uh, and get some more referrals. We're going to have a good segment where we actually have the featured wolves on. I've been talking to my guy Scott Brooks and Link Clegg for a while about getting Link. those guys on. I'm sure you're listening right now. we got to get you boys on. I promise you I haven't forgotten about you. Maybe next episode we do. Uh, we're going to be churning out at least one standalone and one interview a week. So if you liked what you heard, you want more of these lead blocks, Make sure you subscribe and let us know who you want to hear, what you want to hear us talk about. We're going to go uh, a mock draft coming up soon, our, all our rankings and stock scores. Tons of exciting stuff happening at the Fullback Dive, so make sure you're subscribed and follow our lead blocks all off season. All right. My name is Nat The Truth Jones. And I'm The Wolf. See you guys. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd And take our final bow Oh, it's our time to go But at least we stole the show 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 Old-fashioned football right there, folks.